Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It is Texas A&M week for the Miami Hurricanes football program. And with that in mind, want to re- welcome in Carter Carls here from Gigum 24-7. Uh, we're going to break down from the Texas A&M side of things uh, how they're looking after week one uh, on offense, defense, special teams. We'll definitely get into some good discussion there. Before we get started, though, want to highlight um, quickly in our, in our last podcast, uh, we highlighted a, a new sponsor called Football Coach colon, College Dynasty. It is a game that you can play on Steam. Um, it's the ultimate college football management game for the PC. So you can be a coach. You can create game plans. You can call plays, recruit players, develop your program, compete for national championships. Um, it's just a fun way to... Uh, to be a head coach in, in this sport that we love, college football, on the PC. So you can uh, get that available now on Steam for only eleven ninety nine. So, uh, again, that's football coach, colon, college dynasty is the name of the game. And uh, go get it and have fun with it. So let's uh, let's hop into things here, Carter. And, uh, and again, we'll just start with the offense. I think... Um, you know, the, the starting point to me is their new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. He's he's now calling plays for the Aggies uh, in New Mex- the New Mexico game to open the year. Uh, looked impressive, 52-10 to 10 win. Definitely looked explosive through the air. I know it's just been one game, um, but what are the differences in the approach you can already identify uh, between the way Bobby Petrino has worked his philosophy into the offense along with Jimbo Fisher. I'm sure Jimbo is of course highly involved as well. Yeah. I'd say the biggest difference with uh, Bobby Petrino, he's got a, he's got a saying that he likes to say called feed the studs. That's kind of his core philosophy, which is basically, and it's pretty simple, nothing, nothing crazy. Get your, get the ball to the playmakers in space and exploit mismatches that you see defensively and you saw it in this, this past game against New Mexico, they had a 
uh, defensive back. I forget his name. He's number nine for them that uh, really struggled in coverage, had four pass interferences and another penalty on top of that. I don't, I don't know if I've seen someone have four in a game before, uh, but they just went after that guy and they went deep all night. They they were not, you know, really attacking the, the middle of the field intermediately too much. It was a lot of, you know, between the hash and the, and the, the sideline uh, outside the numbers, if you will. And uh, and deep down the field with Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas. And uh, I think you could see a different kind of way the game is structured each game it, one game it might be evan stewart that beats you one game it might be anaya smith uh, moose muhammad noah thomas uh they really didn't run the ball that effectively uh i felt like against new mexico at least not as good as they should have um and it didn't really matter because they were just creating so much separation down the field um their t- none of their tight ends caught a single pass i don't no, I think maybe they had one running back catch a pass and, you know, they really didn't involve their slot receivers that much. So a lot of it was, was on the outside. So um, I felt like in the first half, it was a very clean game from the offense as well. Uh, if you've watched Jimbo Fisher's offenses in the past, uh, yep. you would not describe them as clean. Uh, you would say, wow, they're getting a lot of delay of games, uh, a lot of false starts, procedural penalties. Um they're they're snapping the ball with two seconds left on the play clock. Uh, that was not happening in that game. It was very clean. They had a good tempo. Um, it's not just fast tempo. They they're really good at switching up tempos to to kind of throw the defense off. So it's not just like they're a hurry up offense or anything like that. They're more strategic with it. But um, yeah, it's New Mexico. But so far so good for this A and M team. But I think just the biggest thing we learned was, hey, this is a guy who wants to exploit those mismatches, and and he's not afraid to run the same play twice in a row. He's not afraid to go after one guy. I think there was a sequence uh, in that first game where it might have been like a corner route in the end zone. Didn't work the first time they ran it, but they kind of ran the same exact play, and it was a touchdown. I forget to who. It might have been Stewart. I forget, but – they definitely saw a look they liked, went back to it, got the result they wanted to. I know it's it's hard to tell uh, through just one game, and I don't know if there was any signs necessarily that that you could uh, speak on that you saw, but would you, is it fair to say that during a game, Petrino's calling 99% of the plays, and then if Jimbo has to uh, has to you know give some feedback on a play here or there, that's the way it's kind of been structured here thus far. Yeah, for sure. It's funny, like in March, I felt so much differently about this whole dynamic than I do now. Um, Just because publicly, whenever we we talked to Jimbo Fisher about this, there was this weird, like, uh, I don't know, you know, it it just, he he gave off weird answers, but what people don't understand is that's just who Jimbo Fisher is. He, he's a little bit paranoid. He, he doesn't want to kind of give up uh, w- what he's doing. And as far as like, he doesn't want to telegraph or, or say how things are going to operate exactly. So I think it was coming from that standpoint and less of, I don't want to do this or I don't like this Petrino guy. Um, and so as this, as the off season went on, 
you felt like he was getting more comfortable about it. And then when we talked to Bobby Petrino in preseason camp, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, this guy is calling all the plays. He's going to be up in the press box. He's the one who, like, if you watch practice, Jimbo's really off to the side just kind of chilling the whole time. It's Bobby Petrino who's coaching the quarterbacks, coaching the offense, calling the yeah. plays. Uh, in practice, when, when you know, they have meetings before and after practice, it's Petrino who's leading the, the meetings in, in the uh, quarterback rooms. So, uh, and he's involved in recruiting decisions as well. So it, it's not like uh, one of those deals where it's the, the head coach is actually running the show. You really see it in so many different ways. It's Bobby Petrino. And uh, I think the, the proof is in the pudding as far as what we saw in that first game. Right. And it's big picture wise. How much does that change? How you, think about AM. I think to me it just confirmed a lot of things that I thought. But you know, one of those things was, yeah, it's Petrino who who is calling the plays and kind of calling the shots. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel one, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Connor Wegman, the quarterback, flashed some big time ability against New Mexico. Uh, he he has some starting experience, even dating back to last year in, in the last month of the season, right? And he's put up some good stats. Uh, definitely looked like he took a step forward again. Inferior opponent, but you can tell when quarterbacks are making big time throws against any opponent. Um, talk about Connor's strengths and, and maybe some areas of not weakness, but just areas you feel like maybe he still has to prove moving forward. Yeah, well, well, first of all, you're talking about a quarterback who can do everything you want to do. I mean, he can make every throw on the field. He's got that arm strength. He's also got a mobility to him where, you know, there was a play – I think it was in the, the third quarter, maybe it was the second, where he kind of stepped up in the pocket, rolled to his right, 
And as Noah Thomas, about 30 yards the field, was going to the sideline, he threw it on a on a rope to to Noah and mm-hmm. and and hit him right, you know, in the in the hands. Um, didn't count because there's a penalty on the play, but it just kind of showed you, hey, this is someone who can attack you outside the numbers. He can attack you down the field. He can throw on the run. Uh, I think second play of the game, he had a 17-yard carry. Uh, a lot more mobile than than you would think. Um, as far as where he can improve, um, I think I like the accuracy that he has. He hasn't quite shown, like, it's not like I think his career completion percentage might be a little bit below 60%. But, but really what it is is the deep ball for me. Uh, we had seen in the offseason – just kind of comparing Max Johnson with Connor Wigman. It's, it's kind of interesting. Connor Wigman has better arm strength by a pretty considerable degree than Max Johnson. But Max Johnson throws a better deep ball than him because he has so such good touch, such good anticipation and timing. Connor doesn't, or at least he hasn't quite shown it yet. Now, you go back to the Ole Miss and LSU games, he had a few throws where you're like, okay, yeah, he he's very capable of doing this. But I don't know if it is a confidence thing or just a timing thing. But you saw even in the touchdowns that they scored against New Mexico where either the ball would come out just a little late or it would be just a little underthrown to his his guy down the field. Um, and against New Mexico, hey, uh, Noah Thomas is still going to outmuscle that defensive back and and, mm-hmm. and get a touchdown. Uh, Evan Stewart is still going to make a play because he's Evan Stewart. But against the Miamis of the world, against SEC competition, how is that going to work? You know, if he underthrows it slightly, it's either a pick, it's either an incompletion, maybe your receiver gets hurt because you're putting him in a dangerous situation. You don't want that to happen. Now, some people might say, hey, if the guy is wide open, you'd rather underthrow him than overthrow him. But I just think on a on a – consistent basis you want to have a little bit better precision on those deeper throws that's something to watch for sure because this AM team wants to attack you down the field and and yeah that i think that's probably his biggest area of growth i think he can do it it's just he's he's got to show it you've touched on it a little bit already but wegman has a, a bevy of of talented wide receivers to, to work with this year evan stewart former five-star player um produced last year as a true freshman Miami didn't really get to see him last year so he's kind of a new name from a Miami perspective big time player like uh, I said in in a previous podcast Carter that he reminds me just movement skills and twitch and uh, ball skills I see a lot of shades of, of Odell Beckham and I know that's like high praise but I think he's that talented then you got Noah Thomas six foot six guy uh, definitely kind of a breakout player, it seems like, for Texas A&M this year. Moose Muhammad, 600-yard receiver last year. And then uh, Anaya Smith, who, you know, last year going into this game was the number one option at, for Texas A&M. This year, he's probably third or fourth. And that doesn't that has nothing to do with his ability. He's a very talented player. It's just those other guys are, are, are so good. Um, to me, Carter, the, the talent and the versatility – of the skill sets is what makes this group special, uh, especially year over year. When you think about what AM put on the field last year in this game. Um, but just talk about this group. 
and, and I guess let's just start with Evan because I think he's kind of the headliner there. He's he's kind of the game changer, uh, wide receiver one option for the Aggies. Yeah, Evan Stewart. I just don't like. I think going into this season, people didn't talk about him enough because this offense last year was so dysfunctional. Their quarterback play was pretty bad. They they finally found something in, in Wigman toward the end of the season, but I mean, poor guy, Evan Stewart just couldn't have a quarterback to throw him the ball. And even then, he had one of the greatest seasons for a freshman receiver in AM history. I think it was like fifth or sixth all time in receiving yards for a freshman receiver. Um, and he showed you everything you wanted to see. And, and going into this offseason, I was kind of thinking, yeah, this might be top 10 receiver in football. This guy has all the makings of being a first-round pick one day. You say Oda Beckham, I, I think that's a good comparison. I, I've thought of maybe Stephon Diggs, just mm -hmm. with how crisp of a route runner he is. Um, he, can, he can do everything for you. I, I think something that he's shown that uh, has really impressed me is, is just that, that full route tree of it, he can run a slant, he can run a go, he, he can run everything for you. And I look, really love what he does down the field as far as, uh, you know, uh, high pointing the ball and bringing it down in those contested situations. Um, he doesn't have that huge body you look for like a Noah Thomas might, but he can still just, he's got those sticky hands, you know, and he's got that athleticism. He's got that concentration, just a really impressive athlete. Um, what I do like about this receiving core, like you said, they all bring something different. I, I talked about Evan Stewart. Noah Thomas is your, like, I'm not going to compare him to Mike Evans, but just think right. of that kind of receiver of your 6'6", basketball player looking, getting a rebound off the backboard, just that large catch radius. He just is such a weapon down the field and in traffic. Moose Muhammad is a guy that I don't think people talk about enough just because, and same with Anaya Smith, because they kind of get overshadowed by these other two guys and they're both kind of competing at the same position. But Moose Muhammad just makes it look so easy. He's such a smooth player with, with how he runs routes, how he catches the football, how he does these one-handed one grabs. Uh, and then Anaya Smith is kind of your do-it-all he can play running back. He can play receiver. He's your your punt returner. Um, and so when I look at this receiving group, I, it's clearly the best group on this team. People like to talk about the defensive line, but just from a production standpoint, mm -hmm. it's this receiver group. And I think nationally, you got to talk about them as like a top five group because, I mean, I think yeah. you, you think of like Ohio State, Washington, I think Florida State's up there. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the SEC, like LSU and Tennessee, they've gotten a lot of hype. But I've been I've been saying this. A&M's got it the best in the SEC. Mm -hmm. um, some people might think I'm crazy for saying that. But um, I really think it's true. And, I mean, that's not to say that this offense is perfect. I think they've got some weaknesses at tight end. I still want to see how these running backs can look. You know, replacing Devon A. Chain is, is not going to be – an easy task. And the offensive line has some concerns as well, but this receiving group, if you're pinpointing one crazy good strength on this team, it's that group for sure. You touched on tight end a little bit and how, correct me if I'm wrong, did a tight end catch a pass in the opener? No, no. So I think, is it fair to say like Jake Johnson would be tight end one 
is he, do you think he's their, their top tight end or is it kind of a by committee approach? And, and also within that, do you feel like just, if you look at their roster, they got four good wide receivers. Does it just make more sense to be, to, to lean into that rather than put tight ends on the field all the time? I think so. They had, they had one tight end that I thought was special. Right. And it was Donovan Green. Right. Down with an ACL tear in preseason camp. And he was a pretty dang good tight end his freshman year. Again, didn't have a quarterback to really throw him the ball, but you saw all the flashes you wanted. And I thought what we'd seen from the offseason, he was going to take a big step forward. And so when you lost him, you're, you're leaning on Jake Johnson, who I think he had one catch as a freshman. Yeah. Played very – I think the only game he played any significant time was the the season finale against LSU. Uh, Theo Bellinorstrom, uh, the Sweden kid, he – I don't think he played an offensive snap last year. And then Max Wright, who has been primarily a, a blocking tight end. Um, Theo and, and Jake are your high upside guys. They're the guys that are very good athletes. I mean, Thor, they, they call him Thor uh, okay. or the Swede. Uh, he is just a monstrous looking tight end. If, if you say I'm on the field, you're like, okay, this guy might – be unbelievable one day but that one day is not today it's just he's not he doesn't have it yet mm -hmm. jake johnson i think he's got to prove that he can stay healthy i think he's got to show that consistency and like you said these receivers are so special and there's four of them and there's a fifth one too i didn't even mention jaday right. walker from grand valley state you got to put those guys on the field if you're talking about feeding the studs and exploiting mismatches you're going to get that from your more talented players, and that's at wide receiver. Now, I, I think Max Wright can be a, a, a very uh, good player for this team as far as what he can do as a blocker. I think he's one of the better blocking tight ends that you'll see. Uh, and, and he's a six-year senior for this team. But as far as catching passes goes, I just I don't see it this year. I think they, they will get there eventually, right. but this year I'm a little skeptical. Offensive line – Obviously, just on paper, it's a big group, just size-wise. Um, what are the expectations for this group? Because they do return plenty of starters, but also some new names year over year in terms of the Miami-Texas A&M game last year. Yeah, yeah. Biggest thing for this offensive line was continuity and health. Because last year, it was a season from hell as far as injuries, inexperience, putting guys in there that didn't even belong on the field. It was awful. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to put it out there. This offensive line last year was awful and, and pretty much every measurable way, but you did see from the starters that were coming back some, some positives, right? Like I felt like Trey Zoom was um, unfairly criticized because he was playing through a dislocated knee a torn labrum. Uh, he had a concussion at one point. He had uh, I'm trying to remember all the. I, I can't even remember all the injuries. He had more than that, but that's how many he had, and he still played through it. Was a decent run blocker, pretty bad in pass protection, but again, his entire left side of his body wasn't functioning. He was a left tackle. Uh, Brian Foster, their center, tore his ACL uh, against Bama halfway through the season. Uh, 
and, and then you're thinking of Layden Robinson also played through injuries the whole year. Their, their right guard. Left guard Cam Dewberry was a true freshman who didn't step in until the second half of the season. Uh, and then their right tackle this year, the starter is Chase Basanis, who's a true freshman. So it's a group that, like, I think you expect to take another step this year. But there's sort of this PTSD of, of saying, ah, but the injuries, it's an injury-prone group. How much depth is there? What's going to happen if these guys start dropping like flies again? Um, I just I chalk it up to last season being, like I said, a season from hell. Um, it's not a fluke. I mean, they should have had better roster management. They should have had better reinforcements. And I think they do have better depth this year. But you, you'd like to think that this team will take a step forward. I thought they were they were probably like seven out of ten against New Mexico. They were they were pretty good. Not great. And so Miami will definitely be a new challenge for them, and, and they've got something to prove in that. I want to see what they can do for this running game because, again, they, that's, a, that's a group that, hasn't got, that didn't get going against New Mexico. Real quick, just Chase Besantis, the, the true freshman start at right tackle. So Miami's starting a true freshman there as well, Francis Maui Noah. Um, it is, and I, it's probably a mix of both. I, I honestly don't know, but is Chase – starting at right tackle because he is that good already or did the depth kind of allow him a path to be a starter how would you describe that and what's the confidence like in him going into a game like this yeah so Ruben Fathery was the incumbent starter at that position he had started there for two seasons started as a as a true freshman and was one of kind of the highly regarded offensive linemen on this team but he went down with an injury in the spring. He is still kind of working his way back from a conditioning standpoint. He played against New Mexico, but now he's been lining up as the backup left tackle. And I think it's a combination, and, and we'll learn more what the answer truly is, but I think that the combination is fathery not being ready and Basanis mm-hmm. exceeding expectations. Okay. He ruled early. He, I don't know if, if you read Bruce Feldman's freak list every yes. year, he was yes. on that list. Right. Um, and he is somebody that the O-line coach freak up. So he lined up as the starting, starting right tackle the entire spring while Ruben Fathery uh, worked at, at left tackle. And so they wanted to give him those reps. They felt like he really showed something in the spring and then it carried over in preseason camp and, you know, I, I thought he could have been better in pass protection against New Mexico. I think that's the big question. When he was more recruited as a guard at AM. He, he's listed at 6'6. He's 6'4. Like he's not 6'6. Uh, yeah. And so he does sort of make you think oh, long term, he's either a guard or a right tackle. Uh, but so far, I, I mean, I, I had my doubts about whether he could play. An offensive tackle, but I think he's exceeded my expectations there. I still think he hasn't been tested yet. He's going to get tested a lot this season, and it's very hard for a true freshman offensive tackle to be very successful. So uh, that could be a weak point on this team, but long term, I think you're you've got a really big stud in there. I mean, he's right. the way these the coaches talk about that guy. They think he's going to be an absolute star. You mentioned the run game. Just real quick, you know, in game one, 
it seemed like it was a, a committee approach at running back. Do you expect it to be that way against Miami, or do you think they'd like to get one back going in particular? I think it's a committee, but if one back uh, really shows something, then you, you got to kind of ride the, the hot hand. Um, I, I covered Florida State last year. I don't know if you, if you, if you uh, knew that I covered FSU, but if you remember going in that year, it was Trey Benson, Treshawn right. Ward, Lawrence to a Philly, total committee approach. And Benson wasn't quite the number one guy, but he just started to really flash. And they said, okay, I guess we got to go Benson now. So I think it's the same kind of scenario here where they want to see somebody separate. But until then, it'll be a committee approach. Amari Daniels, the, the kid from Miami, what you got to know about him, he's, he, he, I would say he's probably right now the favorite as far as who will get the most carries each game. Um, he's got the best burst of the group. He's the guy that can hit that hole and be your kind of your your home, home run hitter. Uh, Le'Veon Moss is more of your uh, back who can – fight through contact and has great balance. Uh, and then Ruben Owens is your, your true freshman who um, when we watched him in the off season, just didn't really look like a true freshman as far as his vision, his patience, uh, right. his uh, short area quickness, how he can juke guys at the second level, just a very, very good athlete. But the question with him is, okay, he's a true freshman. How, how good is he? as a, uh, as a pass blocker, uh, right. Uh, and, and, and blitz pickups and he did not do very well in, in, in that regard against New Mexico. I think his pass blocking graded on PFF was like a 9.8, which, uh, that's so red. It's almost maroon Uh, (laughs) out of a hundred. Yeah. And so I think it's a group where there, you're going to see that split in carries but, yeah, if you see one guy separate themselves, then they're going to have to ride that hunt. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so let's get into the defense now, where uh, um, DJ Durkin returns as the coordinator for his second year at Texas A&M. 
Uh, I know you weren't there last year, but overall, how would you characterize maybe the vibe on DJ Durkin and, and just maybe the areas that he wants to see improved year over year from last year? It was a bad first year for DJ Durkin. Right. I think there was a lot of questions when he got hired. It's, it's I mean, we saw it last night, Duke Clemson, Mike Elko, how special of a, of a right. coach he was, not just for A&M, but for, for Notre Dame as well. And you could have hired anybody. And Durkin was kind of this, huh, okay, uh, let's see. And if you look at DJ Durkin's track record, not since 2015 has he had a defense that's ranked in the top 80 nationally in run defense. Uh, top eight. That's a, that's that a big number. Interesting. Yeah. And last year, I think they were 122nd in run defense. Uh, they didn't get a pass rush either. Their pass rush, I think in sacks per game was number 70 there. Uh, as far as PFF goes, they were in the 100 in, in pass blocking uh, grade. Uh, and that was, yeah, the, the, or, or I'm sorry. They were, they were, <laughs> I'm talking about pass rush, not pass blocking. So yeah, pass yeah, we rush, got you. Yeah, yeah, I got mixed up there. But pass rush, yeah, they just couldn't generate sacks. They were getting pressures, but they couldn't generate the sacks. Um, and so um, I think their their leading sacker last year was Fadil uh, Diggs, only played eight games, and it was only three sacks. Right. And you look at this defense, and you kind of wonder, how in the world are they bad against right. the run? and bad at getting sacks. Five stars galore on this defensive line. So much talent. If if you went to a practice, David, and just watched the defensive line, you'd be like, five of these players could be in the NFL tomorrow. Like, right. that's just, from an eye test standpoint, that's how talented they are. And so it's, it's hard to know, is it scheme or is it youth? And I thought right. last year it was – scheme youth and and uh and injuries you know Fadil Diggs I mentioned leading sacker missed four games McKinley Jackson your your top your top guy as far as defending the run in the middle lost him for for four or five games with an injury and then you're relying on freshmen and you know I know this 2022 class was the greatest class ever but I'm sorry an 18 year old can't can't do that much against a 21 year old so walter nolan and nye white and and even a a sophomore and shamar turner last year from our stewart like it's very hard to be productive when you're that young and you've seen them make the growth that you've wanted to in the off season i think the big question remains the pass rush and how many sacks can these guys get more, more so in, do they have an ace pass rusher? I think they can right. generate pressure. Like you saw it last game. They Josh DeBerry got a sack. They can be creative with blitzes and stuff and get pressure. But do they have a guy who can get eight, nine, ten sacks in a season? I don't know. And I, I think the answer right now is no. Until they show it, I don't. I just don't see it. Cornerback um, is another concern for me. They, you know, the secondary was pretty good last year, um, but they lost Jalen Jones. They lost Antonio Johnson and Tyreek Chappelle, Josh DeBerry. Now, DeBerry had a great game against New Mexico, 
but can he be a number one corner for you? Can Tyreek Chappelle be a number one all-SEC all corner for you? I don't know. And they, they weren't tested deep or anything in coverage against New Mexico. Uh, they played a pretty soft coverage to begin the game, and New, New Mexico was pretty dink and dunk, quick passes. Um, and so we didn't learn a lot about the pass rush and the corners because of that, because it was just this quick, quick pass stuff. So right. um, still lots to learn. I do think the run defense looked better, but let's see how it looks against better competition. Um, and David, just overall going into the off season and then throughout the off season, all the questions were about the offense and Bob Petrino. For me, I have all along felt like, it's DJ Durkin in this defense because yeah. they had just as many, if not more problems than the offense last year. When you just consider how much talent they had and how much they underachieved. When you, when you talk about the lack of a pass rush from, from an outsider like me, just watching them a little bit, it seems like it's all just kind of power rush, power rush, power rush is what you're speaking to kind of, they're missing maybe a twitched up guy, that speed rush type of guy. And, and, who would you maybe say could potentially be that guy? Because just body type wise, it seems like they have a lot of big, powerful guys, which again works. Like these guys are talented at what they do, but uh, you do want versatility and different types of edge rushers as well. I'm impressed, David. You you nailed it right on the head. <laughs> so that's the biggest problem is they've got these 280 pound beasts, just unbelievable huge and monstrous defensive ends but they don't have that quick twitch like guy that's going to get you eight or ten sacks again in a season um i think the guys that you look for that could maybe be that are malik silla and i white maybe fadil Diggs if if he can stay healthy um but when you're looking at guys like shamar turner shamar stewart uh, LT Overton, you're talking about bigger dudes that, uh, like I'll give you an example, Shamar Turner last year, he led this team in pressures and, and uh, right. I think he led on the defensive line and, and snaps, um, but he had half of a sack to show for it. Right. And a lot of it was because he was, he was owning the guy in front of him, but not quick enough or at least he wasn't finishing quick enough to right. to the quarterback and bring him down. He was getting there. He just wasn't getting there quite in time. And so it's like this group is so close to doing it, but I just, they got to find that one superstar 10 sack guy or else it just, it makes it so much more difficult for the entire defense when you can't bring the quarterback down. So. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on there. Last thing, just D-tackle and then linebacker, and then we'll get into big picture stuff, get out of here. Um, McKinley Jackson and Walter Nolan. To me, you know, they seem like an elite defensive tackle combo, um, potential-wise especially. Um, how do they complement each other with their styles, and, and how encouraging was their performance in game one? I really, I really like those guys. Uh, McKinley Jackson is more of your run-stopping guy. And Walter Nolan, what I love about him is I think he can – like we talk about pass rush, I think he can help you with that at D-tackle because that guy 
for as big as he is, he's slippery and quick and he's fast too. But there was a play against New Mexico. I think it was like a swing pass or just a pass to the sideline. And he was one of the ones to make the tackle uh, because he's so fast and ran all the way down the field uh, to the sideline. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, the those are the two players to watch. Jamar Turner's another guy. He'll play D tackle, D end. He kind of plays everywhere. But uh, I think they can be like McKinley Jackson. Really, is the guy that you look at, and it's like this guy's got to stay healthy if the run defense can take that big jump. Um, even though this group is really talented, just to me, David, like going from 122nd in run defense to right. 22nd in run defense that's really hard i don't care how yes. talented your team is and if you have the track record of durkin that says he can't be in the top 80 i just you know they may look good against new mexico but i'm still worried and and you look at miami and and mark fletcher and Parrish. i think those are some pretty good backs that can 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 gain those yards against AM and 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 I mean, we're gonna see but uh, yeah i'm I'm a little bit skeptical, but I do think McKinley Jackson, Walter Nolan, Nolan taking that second-year jump, and Jackson staying healthy. If those two things can happen, this run defense will be much better for sure. Linebacker, Edrin Cooper. When you watch A&M, he is big, and he runs really well. Um, how has he been – because my impression of him is maybe like instincts could use some work and, and maybe also just the tackling consistency could, could use some work too. Are those fair statements? And do you feel like he has improved this year? Cause he is an older guy. He has a lot of experience. Um, is, can he be the consistent linebacker that they need? Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305. 393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees, and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. 
The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Mostly. I'd say mostly. I, I want to see the consistency. I, I thought he had a great showing against New Mexico as far as, hey, uh, I think he was fourth nationally among linebackers in uh, run defense grade. So he did a pretty solid job, I thought. Um, another guy, what, what I do like about Cooper is is how fast that guy is. He can really go sideline to sideline. Like you said, it's it's the instincts that you in the tackling you got to watch for. Torian York is the guy to talk about too because he's a true freshman, three star. I think we at two four seven ranked him like eight hundredth in the country, and here he is as a true freshman uh, starting game one, beating out a fifth year senior in Chris Russell. Um, I thought he was decent, not amazing against New Mexico. Good for a true freshman. Um, and I think for the linebacking play, um, they'll be, they'll be better because they couldn't have been much worse last year. And then also I think the guys in front of them are going to be better. So it's going to be easier for them to, to plug the holes and be instinctual and, and, and be where they need to be because they're not having to over overcompensate for anything. And so I, I think they'll be better. But I still do have my doubts about the group. I don't think they're a top group in the SEC or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, I'd say they'll probably be about average this year is what I'm thinking. Last thing, just special teams. We don't have to go in-depth on what they got. But I, I think the bottom line, in these type of games where they, they could be close games, we'll see. But in a close games, do you feel good about what Texas A&M brings to the table on special teams? Yeah, I feel pretty good. I, I think Anaya Smith is a very, very talented punt returner. Mm -hmm. He's New Mexico, had a 30 or 40-yard return, um, has always been a, a pretty good returner. I thought AM actually did a really good job as far as kickoff coverage goes. That was something that stood out to me. Um, they did have one field goal that got blocked mm -hmm. at the end of the first half against New Mexico. Uh, we'll see if that's a – Pattern, I have no reason to believe it will be a pattern. Um, I think Randy Bond, their their kicker, he is pretty accurate within 40 yards. I think he's very solid, uh, but he doesn't have the biggest leg in the world. He's not going to be making 52 yarders with ease or anything like that. He was a former walk-on, so he, he was someone that actually was a big surprise last year because they had this unbelievable kicker that came in, and Davis, and, and he was supposed to be the guy he played pretty poorly, and then it was Randy Bond who, who came in and, and replaced him. And uh, so I think he's a, a pretty good kicker. Nothing crazy special, but but pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I think where A&M really does its damage is punt returning with Anaya Smith, and that'll be something to watch. Well, one trend I noticed, Carter, um, 
that A&M is going to look to end here this week is winning a true road game. So um, I looked at and it's the last true road game. So they won a neutral site, I think, against Arkansas last year. Right. But a, a true road game, I, it was back to correct me if I'm wrong, back to Missouri of 2021. And uh, so I had it as uh, last year. They lost at Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina, at Auburn. And again, that's part of being five and seven, like five and seven teams lose games right uh but then 2021 at lsu at old miss and again october 16th at missouri they did win do you think there's some common thread going on with with road games uh in, in recent you know one and a half seasons is there any acknowledgement internally you feel like of like hey we got to get this done this week like this is becoming too much of a trend yeah, I felt like watching this team last year, they just didn't come out with a preparedness or a motivated look to them. If you watch the South Carolina game last year, it was like, holy crap, man. Like, did these guys even show up? Like, what, what is going on here? I mean, it was like one of the worst starts for a game I have ever seen from an A&M team. And they, they really had no business losing that game as far as just – talent matching up with talent um but uh yeah I, I feel like with Jimbo Fisher the highs are really high and the lows are really low and I think they do such a great job getting up for the big games like Alabama every year mm -hmm. at least I mean 2020 it went out of hand but they really played them well for two and a half quarters and um but the last two years, they played Bama really well. I think they can get up for the big, big games. But those games that are, I mean, even Miami last year and Appalachian State, you know, these games that it's like, how did this happen? Like, how are, like, what you almost find out within the first two minutes of a game what AM team you're going to get. But um, I think that could change this year. One of the big focuses for Jimbo this offseason, we talk about play calling, but what that did for him was it gave him an ability to kind of manage the roster better, manage his relationships better, like right. be more involved with recruiting and evaluating and, and, and things like that. And whereas he, he wasn't that way. And I think that's why you saw things get out of hand from a cultural standpoint why you saw just so many problems that seemed like they, they couldn't get fixed last year. And so I do think they'll be better from that standpoint, but I, I do still worry, like, is this team going to come out slow? Uh, because, but, but one other thing I'll say, season openers are another one. The right. last three season openers, uh, not including this one, were terrible for a If you remember, even their 2020 team that was so special, they almost lost to Vanderbilt in their season opener. But this one, it was different. They scored a touchdown on their first five possessions. They went out to a 35-7 lead. They, they didn't have a great first possession defensively, but offensively, they, they were rocking. So I do think it will change this year. It can't, be, can't really be worse than last year. But uh, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll find out for sure. Yeah, a lot of things you said apply to Miami for last year, too. Just – slow sluggish starts 
uh, looked like they didn't even want to be out there, right? Like Miami had going into the uh, going into the Miami of Ohio game, Miami had like a home game losing streak that they had to break. So uh, again, five and seven teams. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, you you've kind of already touched on a little bit, Carter, but do you have a sense that like Jimbo likes this team? Like as an outsider, it seems like when he talks about this team, he likes what he sees. And I don't think Jimbo like like I think he wears his emotions on his sleeves a lot of times. He might not say things, but like you could tell whether or not, you know, how he's feeling about a subject when he talks. And to me, it seems like he does like this team. Yeah, again, way different than what it sounded like in March uh, where I was thinking, oh, man, this guy, he looks like he is just under heat and has no idea how to handle it. But now it's so relaxed. It's so just not feisty anymore. I think he's pretty confident in, in this team. And, you know, it's funny, like, I'm going in this game. I asked him this question at a press conference uh, yesterday. But I almost feel like you can't take anything from the a and Miami game last year. Right. Because talk about both seasons going as worse or as bad as they could have gone for both teams. I felt like there was this unfair on both sides. Like for Jimbo, I get all the criticism that he got. But to say that there's no way that he can't fix it, or that he can't, like, the Petrino can't work out and all these things. I'm like, dude, open your eyes. Look how much talent is on this team. And look at the uh, Bobby Petrino's track record. It's almost like, how can it not go wrong? And, and and how was last year not an anomaly? And when I look at Miami, it's one of the, it's, it's pretty similar. It's like Tyler Van Dyke has already shown that he's a very good quarterback. But last year, Everything could have gone wrong when he got hurt and didn't have a great offensive coordinator, if we're being honest. Didn't really have any good receivers, if we're being honest. It was dysfunction everywhere. But Mario Cristobal, with the level that he recruits at and with the progression they've seemed to make since last season, how can you count that guy out? How can you say, hey, this Miami team is like you're already seeing this. Uh, uh, I think Billy Napier gets it, too, but I think it's probably a little bit more deserved because I don't And that offense, but with with Miami, I'm like, dude, Tyler Van Dyke has shown it. Like he has shown that he is a great quarterback. So again, I look at this game last year, and I'm like, these are two totally different teams, and it's it's probably going to look like a very different game compared to last year. I agree. And, and let's close it out on this point. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction or anything like that, but just like what phase or what matchup of this game has your attention the most? What do you think this game kind of boils down to if you're going to simplify it? Tyler Van Dyke. Um, can he be closer to 2021 Tyler Van Dyke or will he be closer to 2022 Tyler Van Dyke? And last game, I felt like we saw a lot of dink and dunk from Miami. Mm -hmm. Now, listening to Mario Cristobal, he's saying, hey, that's what the matchup's were given us that, that mm -hmm. like there was a reason why we did that um but you, you didn't see him air it out as much and i think that one of the only times he did it was a pick and so i wonder hey can he test a and empty i told you these corners 
I think they're decent, but I mean, are they elite? Probably not. And so in these safeties, I don't like Damani Richardson gets a lot of hype. I think he's a solid player. Jarning Gilbert, I don't think he's a that great of a player. So I, I think you can you can test these guys deep, and um, but we'll t- can Tyler Van Dyke do it? And so that's kind of the one big matchup I'm looking at because if Miami can make this a back and forth, uh, it could get quite interesting. I don't really have that much concerns about AM's offense. I think they can score against anybody, mm-hmm. but defensively, it's the big question for me. And these running backs, too, for Miami, right? I think they can have success. We saw them have some success against AM last year. So, really, it's kind of a Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, I think he's, uh, his receivers look pretty good. I mean, Restrepo and, and Colby Young, I thought, had pretty nice uh, uh, games against Miami, Ohio. So, yeah, we'll see what those guys can do against this secondary. Great stuff here from Carter Carls. Go check out his work at Gigum 24 7. Thank you so much, Carter. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling that now. Yeah, whatever we're calling it. It's uh, at Carter Carls, uh, Carter, K A R E L S. And then, yeah, I'm at gigum247.com. You probably already saw me tweet out the Shamar Stewart quote from yesterday that everyone's kind of mad at. So uh, don't kill <laughs> the messenger. Um, I'm, I'm just reporting the news, guys. So, but yeah, that I'm really interested to watch. Uh, how much fire he plays with and how much fire Miami plays with against him. Cause I'm sure they saw that and probably put it on their bulletin board. Yes, definitely a fun game within the game. And uh, it'll be a fun one this week. Big game for both programs as, as you know, they're trying to get on the right trajectory of things and, and live up to their potentials. Um, so we'll get out of here on that. Appreciate everyone for listening and until next time, take care. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.